Hey, everybody. Corrine is going to speak tonight. <laughs> All right, there you go. Oh, <laughs> Thank you, honey. <sighs> this is a nice little family night. I love this, so it's good. I love being with you guys. And uh, we're Joel, oh, Joel and Aletta are doing worship, so... Man, are doing the kids. They're leading the trailblazers. So that was that was some really good worship. But um, I'm going to pray. <laughs> Jesus, we love you so much. We love your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the way that you lavish your love upon us. We receive every ounce of it, every bit of it tonight. We don't leave anything on the floor. We soak it all up. Thank you, Father. Expand our capacity to receive more of you tonight, Jesus. We receive. We don't want to leave anything behind. Thank you, Father, for the way that you lavishly, extravagantly love us so much. Like Todd said, apart from you, we have nothing, nothing at all. Thank you, Jesus. You're everything, everything we could ever ask or want. We love you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, can I share a testimony before I share my message? I realize sometimes I don't get to share some things about my life, and so I just wanted to share this that um so some of you may not know but I'll go to high schools and talk about um the safe house that I help at uh that I've been with them for seven years now and I'll talk about human trafficking and looking for signs of violence and things like that um and it's always really good and you know you can just bring the love of Jesus into public high schools and in a way that people can receive, and I, I so enjoy that. But uh, So this time, a friend of mine who teaches at Hayward High School um, asked me to come. And since it wasn't through the safe house, I kind of had a little bit more leeway. I didn't have my whole—I usually have, like, statistics and things like that to teach the kids about. But this time, he was like, just come and share your story and your testimony and then whatever else you have. And so I got to do that, and it was so good— um, and the kids were so open. It was a little bit of a, a, I don't know if I want to say tougher school, but you can always kind of tell when you go into high school if there's just lots of pain and maybe some of the kids are a little walled off, and I could sense that there was some hardness of heart. But um, So I share my story, and then I give them a mama talk, which is what I do at youth group or the young adult group, and a mama talk is is just like, talking about just life and just the tools that I've learned along the way um, as God's healed me. And so it was kind of some random things. I talked about shame and talked about um, healthy relationships and how to, how to get some healing. And I talked about suicide because I shared part of my story that I was very, I was suicidal as a young person and so anyway, throughout my, my talk, um, there's some girls that I see starting to really cry, and Holy Spirit's really beginning to touch them, and they're, they're probably um, relating to some of my story of abuse, and, 
so I'm, I'm just praying under my breath for these girls. And their friends are comforting them. And it's, it's God's really doing something really sweet. And then in between, I have them stretch because, you know, high schoolers, sometimes they don't want to sit for very long. And so they're stretching. And, and a girl comes up and says, can I give you a hug? Can I get a hug? And so I give her a, a big, just loving mom hug. And uh, I feel God's heart for her. And I said, hey, you know, since you want to hug, now you've got, you got to stay up here as I begin to talk again. And she was apprehensive, but then she said, okay, I will. And she seemed like she wanted to. Uh, her name was America, and so it felt like kind of prophetic. And so I tell all the, the kids, I said, okay, so now we're going to give her some public affirmation, which is encouraging prophetic words, but I, I use different language in the high school and uh, I start to tell her how God sees her, and she's really receiving it, and the other kids are leaning in like, ooh, this is cool, public affirmation, because even though, you know, sometimes teenagers, they act like they just want to be cool, but they, they really want love and encouragement. So that was, it was really cool. And then um, after a while, I tell them, look to your neighbor, and it, it might sound cheesy, but I said, just, just tell them, you have so much worth and value and uh, pretty soon, you know, they just get real loud, and they start just saying, I love you, man, and they start laughing, and there's a few different classes in there, so then they're, they're yelling out to their teacher, hey, Mrs. So-and-so, Mr., you know, their coach is in there, I love you, and, and uh, the teachers are feeling loved because a lot of times, you know, in a public high school, teachers are kind of worn out and tired, and so they were receiving the love. And yeah, it was so cool, like just to see God move. Yeah. So um, my friend uh, that teaches there, he gives the kids my email address, my church email address, and so I, I was wondering how I'm getting all these emails all of a sudden. But then I find out that's why. And um, they is mostly girls, and they're saying thank you so much for sharing your story. I can relate. Um, and then, you know, a lot of times uh, young people, they're in an abusive relationship, but they don't really recognize the signs. So I start listing some things. These are the signs to look for. And this is what abuse looks like, what an unhealthy relationship looks like, where there's control and you don't have a voice and all of that. And so they're emailing me how they can relate and it helps them. And then one girl emails me and says, um, you know, I really wanted to end it all, but after you talked, I changed my mind. And, um, yeah, I'm so grateful. Um, you know, I talked about how uh, a lot of times when people are suicidal, they don't, uh, they don't really want to kill themselves. They just want the pain to end. So I talked to them about how to manage their feelings and how to... Um, not let their, their feelings uh, control them or master them, but to let them serve them. And a lot of the stuff I share, I told Brent, uh, it's all stuff I learned from you or Danny Silk or others, and I, I just stole some of that. But anyway, so, so it was, it's just really good to see young people understand that their feelings don't have to take the driver's seat in control, but that they can really just pay attention and become more self-aware of what's going on inside and not have to make rash decisions and behave a certain way because their feelings are taking over, but to really um, get the healing they need. So, 
anyway, I just been wanting to share that, and it was really cool. So I am um, grateful for the, those opportunities. But, so I'm going to talk tonight of, um, let's see, oops, let's see if this, no, it, it wasn't, actually, it wasn't Gabe, it was, uh, it, it was on a timer, the, uh, the slides are on a timer, so awesome Sonia, she's great back there, and so great, um, okay, so this is, uh, I'm gonna, Russ talked a few weeks ago, um, we stopped in Acts 2, and I'm going to continue on. I'm only going to take a small portion of that scripture. We've been working our way through the book of Acts very slowly, uh, it's, and because there's so much good stuff in it. It's going to take us a while, and we're going to marinate in it and take our time because there's no hurry, and I'm the type of person, I love word studies. I like to take a small portion of scripture and really kind of take it apart. And so that's what we're going to do a little bit, and I'm going to share some stories, too, and um, see where we go. But So this is Acts 2, uh, verse 36 through 41, and um, so Peter is speaking to the Israelites, to the crowd, and he just tells them how—let's see if I have it up here. Okay, I'm going to just read this. So Acts 2, verse 36 through 38. Now, I'm going to read it here. Now everyone in Israel can know for certain that Jesus, whom you crucified, is the one God has made both Lord and the Messiah. When they heard this, they were crushed and realized what they had done to Jesus. Deeply moved, they said to Peter and the other apostles, What do we need to do, brothers? Peter replied, Repent and return to God, and each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the Anointed One, to have your sins removed. Then you may may take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to continue on. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. We want to return to you. And there's so much in that small portion here. So can you guys see that? Thank you, honey, for making such great slides. He always makes my slides. (laughs) I'm so grateful because I'm not good at it. Some people have a great eye, and Todd really does. That's why he's such a great photographer. He has an eye for things. So, um, I recognize that gift in you. <laughs> so, um, like I said, I like to study words. And so, the word crushed, other translations say cut to the heart. The Greek verb means deep sorrow and emotional agitation. It's taken from the root word that means mortally wounded, which is intense. They were mortally wounded. That's how crushed they were when they heard about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. They were, they were more than touched or moved. They were um, cut deeply to the heart. So their pain required a response. They said, what do we need to do? You know, when, when God touches you and he speaks, he grips your heart, there's usually there's a response that happens, and it's, it always looks like something. And so they said, what do we need to do? And then they responded, um, the crowd responded like Peter did when Jesus found him and said, come follow me. Remember, um, Jesus comes to the the fisherman and he says, come follow me. And and Peter drops his net and he drops everything and left everything behind to follow Jesus. So it was similar to that. Um, When you meet truth and you, you meet Jesus, you meet truth, you don't question or you don't wonder you leave it all behind. Holy Spirit 
moves on our hearts and compels us to follow him with an undivided heart. And so that's what it was like for the Israelites. That's what it was like for the disciples when Jesus came to them. They said, I will drop everything and I'll follow you. And I I just love focusing on this because for me, I love going back to when I first met Jesus. And I was so in awe and so moved. My heart was so tender. And I I said, I want to leave everything for you. And I wasn't here last week, but I listened to part of the podcast. And if you didn't, if you weren't here, I encourage you to listen to it because my friend Marilyn shares her story. Marilyn, we've been friends for a long time now, huh? We go way back. So I love hearing, I just, I was listening to her testimony on the podcast and, and crying and because I was so touched again and how God's moved in her life. And it was, man, listen to it. It's from last week. It was so good. But it's it's so good for all of us to go back to that first time when we caught his gaze, and he said, come follow me. And we said, oh, me? Okay, I'm leaving it all behind. I remember I was, I was 18. I was so, I just didn't know much. I didn't know anything about Jesus at all, and I was so hungry for him, so, so hungry, and always in the Word, always. I, I was at, at going to Todd's dad's church, and I remember I didn't know anything about worship at all, and we would sing hymns. It was a Baptist church, but it was like a it was a Baptocostal church. So we'd have our hymns, and then we'd have Todd would lead worship. You guys remember Hosanna Integrity back in the day in Vineyard, and he would lead these songs. And I was I was so I. I I would write down and sit there like, and just jot down every single um, worship song, and I wanted to go home and, and read it. And uh, man, I sometimes I think back like, wow, I was so in love and so hungry for him, and um, he just wants to stir up that love and that hunger in our hearts again. So Peter tells them repent, and I'm going to talk a little bit about repentance, which is not something. We normally talk about, but it's so good. I could say that with a smile on my face. I, you know, repentance is such a good thing. Even as believers now, he wasn't just talking to those who were coming to know him right then. He talks. It's an ongoing position, posture of our heart to repent and to return to God. It's a little smaller, but so repentance is turning from, changing direction. It's you were taking one course and then you. Do a whole 360, and you're on a whole other course. That's what repentance is. It's returning to the high place. Todd talks about this to our youth group. It's like uh, the penthouse, returning back to the high place that we belong because we forget who we are, and so we make mistakes. We behave in ways that aren't really line up with who we really are, and so it's getting back to that, that high place with Jesus that he's called us to, and it's a really, really good thing. Conviction of the Holy Spirit is good. When Holy Spirit convicts our hearts, um, it's a good thing because it reminds us that we weren't meant to be self-sufficient. And in our culture, in this day and age, so much of the time, you know, unfortunately, there's just a lot of self-sufficiency going on. And I could take care of myself. I could do it all myself. And to have needs is usually not okay. Um, I personally have struggled with that over the years. I'm like, I, I don't want to have needs because I don't want to be disappointed. So that's no fun. 
But um, it's good. It's so good to recognize our need for God, for Jesus, getting back to that, that place of really depending completely on him. We have things in America sometimes given to us. I mean, the Bay Area, things are a little bit more difficult, but the times I've been to Cambodia and Uganda and other countries where there is such a hunger and such a need for God, they're so desperate and hungry for him. And I look at I'm like, oh, wow, I want to get back to that place where he is my everything. That scripture in Matthew that says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit, that means that you are posturing yourself to say, I really need you, God. It's not saying, you know, you're, you're poor financially. You're saying, I'm, I'm in need of you. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. So, um, did I finish that? Oh, repentance is surrender. It's the humility to be led and to follow. To say, God, I want you to lead me. I, I want to follow you. It takes humility to be led. And even those of you that you're all leaders in here in some form or another, your, your moms, your dads, your leader, your managers at work, there's, it's so good to be led, to still be led, and to have to continually be learning and to be position yourself to be teachable. And that's something that I, I, that's such a huge value for me. No matter what I'm doing, whether I'm in a position I'm leading, I always want to follow and I want to have those in my life that are, that I trust that are teaching me. So Jesus is the ultimate leader and it's good. Yeah, so the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I remember, you know, I think um, we maybe Marilyn and Brent were talking about, even before they fully knew Jesus, they knew Holy Spirit was leading them and touching them. And similar for me, I grew up without a moral compass. And um, I have a good relationship with my parents now. So, um, but, you know, I didn't really know right from wrong. I really wasn't told too much, like, what was okay, what wasn't okay. I had no boundaries at all. I mean, there was, there was no boundaries. I was doing everything and sneaking out of my bedroom and all kinds of stuff. But I didn't have a moral compass. But there was always that feeling, um, I didn't grow up in church, I didn't know Jesus, but I always felt Holy Spirit in my life kind of nudging me. Do you guys ever, did you guys have that when before you knew Jesus, you had, you could have that feeling like Holy Spirit was telling you, hey, don't go, don't go do that or that's not okay. And so even though I maybe did some things, I remember there was certain things I was like, oh no, my high school friends would say, let's do this or that. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. There's something in me that's telling me don't do that. Um, and that was the Holy Spirit, you know, protecting me. So it's so good how, how Holy Spirit reaches out to, to people before we even say yes to him. And he's doing that now, you know, with, with people all over the world. He's, he's speaking to them. It's good. So that's what repentance is. And then after that, um, I'm going to move through this. Peter tells them to be baptized. So he says, repent and be baptized. This is baptism in water. There's baptism in the Holy Spirit, baptism in water. So he says, be baptized. And he uses language that they would understand because the Jews were familiar with um, ritual cleansing, right? So I think 
I read in some commentary that probably Peter was preaching at the temple and there was probably mikvahs. Have you, how many of you have been to Israel before? Oh, yeah, a few. Yep. Okay, so when you go to Israel, you, you just see where probably all these mikvahs were, these cleansing, um, where the ritual baths were. And so probably Peter was, was preaching there. And so the Jews were familiar with, what, with baptism probably, and he used language that they could understand. I love that. I love reading the word and understanding why they use different language and word studies and all that. I think it's so fun. But um, so that's probably why he said that. So he says, repent and be baptized. So and then in Matthew 3, uh, John the Baptist's message was the same. Um, He says, repent, clear the way, prepare your hearts for for Jesus is coming. So John the Baptist preaches this, and then Peter repeats the same message. Repent, make way for God's coming. Side note, um, I've shared this before, but Todd and I, in our one of our previous, our, our old life back in Missouri, we, we performed in a musical. That was our job. And so whenever I... It was a musical about the life of Jesus. And so my job... Uh, let's see, probably 12 shows a week, sometimes 13 shows a week, was flying over the audience as an angel in this huge costume that was way too big for me with a big halo. And then my twin sister was the other angel. And so we'd fly over, and then I played Mary. um, And then I played a crippled girl who got healed and all of that. So I don't know. Whenever I, I read about John the Baptist, I picture this actor that was in our show because we had this whole big scene where John the Baptist says, repent, make way straight. Yeah, very, very dramatic with the big old camel hair. And anyway, we had a rain curtain. And um, that was a complete bunny trail. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's my picture of John the Baptist. I need a new picture of John the Baptist. Yeah. Todd knows what I'm talking about. But he was a forerunner. And, um, yeah, so the, father, the cool thing is the father tells John the Baptist that through baptizing people, he says, you're going to baptize these people, and as you're baptizing them, you are going to recognize uh, the Messiah. And he does, and he recognizes Jesus as the Lamb of God. And it's, I just think that is so cool that, that God gave gave him that honor. You know, he gets to baptize people. And then John the Baptist, again, Holy Spirit touches his heart and he recognizes who Jesus is. He says, you're the lamb of God. It's in all throughout scripture. I probably put that up there. Yeah. The Holy Spirit revealed who Jesus was all throughout the scripture because their hearts burned and they knew. I love reading different stories in the Bible where their hearts burned and they said, oh, you know, you're the one. You're the one I've heard of. Like, you're the one that's going to heal me. And because uh, Jesus doesn't always say, I'm Jesus, the Messiah. So anyway, John the Baptist recognized who he was. And then John gets the honor of baptizing Jesus in the Jordan. And then for the, those of us that went to Israel several years ago, we went to the Jordan River and uh, Pastor Brent baptized a bunch of us and so if you're thinking about getting baptized next week I want to tell you go for it if Holy Spirit's moving on your heart and you're like I already was baptized because I was baptized when I was 18 and Todd's dad was my pastor 
and it was incredible experience, and God did a lot. But we were there at the Jordan. How can you not get baptized in the Jordan River? I mean, and then you have Pastor Brent there with a big smile on his face, and I, God was doing a new thing in my heart, and it was such a, it was, God was just transforming some things inside of me, and so I said, why not? So if that's you, if you're feeling like this is just a new time, a new season for you, and you want to just recommit your life to God again, next week, hey, bring a change of clothes, and we will be ready. <laughs> Todd said, mm-hmm. <laughs> Leave it in the water. <laughs> the baptism is right there behind that, that screen there, and it, it always feels a little odd when we're doing it. You feel like you're coming up like there's a little puppet show going on, but it's, it's, so, it's really powerful. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> so don't let that scare you away. But... Um, so Jesus chose to live with the same restrictions as man, and he, he had nothing to repent from. That amazes me that Jesus had nothing to repent from, but he chose to surrender himself to the Father. That always kind of gets me a little emotional. I don't know why, but it does. Um, he willingly submits himself to the Father to model for us, and he was, he was perfect in every way, but yet he said, I, I want to be baptized. And so many of you, you know, I'm talking about baptism, but it's also for you to go, just go back to that place of remembering what it actually did for you, what Jesus did on the cross for you and the power of that. So, um, yes. okay. Romans 6, 3 through 6. This is in the source. The source is a really... Good translation. I like it a lot. And it says, Are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into the union with the anointed one, Jesus, were baptized into union with his death? So then we were buried in baptism. That meant we died with him. And since the anointed one was raised from among the dead by the Father's splendor, in the same way, we too should behave with a new quality of life. For as we have become united with the likeness of his death, then certainly we are also united with the likeness of his resurrection. We realize that our old person was crucified with him so that the sinful body would be rendered inactive so that we would not be a slave to sin anymore. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That is a good, good portion of scripture. And on a side note, um, we've talked about this uh, with our youth group, and they're saying so um, is it, are we not, as believers now, we can't sin? We're, we're not sinners. No, but yes, you, there, we do still mess up and make mistakes. But I think it's Bill Johnson who says you can't blame your sin nature anymore because you don't have a sin nature. So yes, we still make mistakes. We forget who we are. We were, but that's not, it doesn't define us. So that's the difference. And our sin nature is dead. Amen. Yeah, so this is Colossians 2, uh, 12 through 13, through 14 in the message. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. When you were stuck in your old sin, dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to the cross. 
Thank you, God. I love that, that we were incapable of responding to God, but now that we know him, our hearts are tender, our hearts are moved, we can respond to him when he, when he moves on our hearts and he's given us that capacity to, to be moved. And that, what, a, what an honor that is. So I'm going to ask um, Christian to come up here now. I didn't give him a warning when I was calling him, but everyone, welcome Christian. So I asked him to share about, just a little bit about his experience when he was baptized and about his, his life. And we love this guy. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know me, I'm Candy's grandson. Um, I was baptized, I believe I was 18. I have a horrible memory. <laughs> but I believe I was 18, and it was here. It was here. Todd baptized me. Um, it was a very unique experience, very... Something, something I've never really been through in my life. It's something that really changed me, honestly, because I've always had a relationship with God. I've been coming to church since I was a newborn. My grandma brought me uh, to the Vineyard Church, and I've actually known Todd all my life because of that. <clears throat> but um, being baptized was just an incredible experience. It was sort of a new me coming out. I felt brand new after. And um, after getting baptized, we sat in here and... We prayed, and I actually, um, I spoke in tongue for the first time, and it was, it was just an incredible experience. I, I asked God to show me something, something unique, something incredible, and I saw this vision in my mind. I had my eyes closed, and I saw in my head a jellyfish. I, I'd never understand, I didn't understand what it was at the time. I saw a jellyfish, and um, I am actually an epileptic. I have a pretty messed up brain. And I remember God telling me, you know, you're seeing this jellyfish because jellyfish don't have brains. They don't, they don't have brains. They, they don't, you know, they don't, they're, not, they're not like humans. They don't have brains. And even if you feel like you don't, your brain is not there, it's not working properly, you know, you're still beautiful. You are still gorgeous and you're still meaningful in this world, you know, no matter what. Even if you feel like your brain is not there. So, uh, I don't know, baptize, the, being baptized was just incredible, and um, it was an amazing experience. I would love to go to the Jordan River and do it again sometime. Yeah. We got to go to Israel, Todd, so yeah. But yeah, it was incredible. I, I suggest if none of you have, if some of you have never been baptized, to come. It was amazing. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, love that guy so much. It was powerful. He and uh, there was another young adult from our group, and I went after you get baptized. We have a room back there where uh, some of the some of the leaders will pray over them, and they were all on the floor and getting so blasted, and it's it was powerful. So um, here we go. Baptism is complete identification with Jesus. It's immersion into the reality of the Trinity. It's a prophetic act in the highest agreement with what Jesus did on the cross. It's entrance into our new life ruled by the Spirit of God. It symbolizes a turning away of self-reliance and declaring our need for him. Death to our old way and life to the new. Yes, thank you, God. So, um, yeah, go back to that place when you've been baptized and, and 
just spend time with Jesus and ask him to show you exactly what that looked like, what he did in your heart. And um, because life gets hard and there's challenges. And so going back to Romans and remembering that we actually were with Jesus. We were, died with him. He raised us up with him. It, it's incredible. And so that is the power of, of God inside of us. And he wants to release the Holy Spirit in new powerful ways in each one of you. So I want to, um, let's see, how much time? I'm, I have time. I'm going to share a little bit. So people have been sharing their story of, of Holy Spirit when they first experienced Holy Spirit. So I thought I'll just share a little bit of mine since I'm preaching tonight. Um, so I've shared my story probably a bunch of times. So I don't want to go through the whole thing again, but I'll just share a part of it. And back to the Holy Spirit moving on my heart before I even knew Jesus. So probably when I was 16 years old, I was really depressed and in a really abusive relationship. And I was just wanted to die. And I wanted to die, but I also wanted the pain to end. So I didn't even think twice. I, I remember it was like, it was really bad, like something just, came over me. I, I didn't even think about it. And I took over a hundred aspirin at one time. And I kind of was passed out on the floor. And um, my mom came home from work and she found me. And uh, like I said, we, we didn't have a good relationship. She was in a lot of pain and struggling quite a bit. She and my dad divorced um, when I was seven, and so she was working a lot and trying to, you know, I had three sisters, so she was not present and not able to really um, empathize or anything like that. So she finds me, and, and uh, I get in her car, we're heading to Kaiser, and I start throwing up all in the back seat of the car, and Bless my mom. She turns the music up really loud so she wouldn't have to hear it. She rolls the windows down. She doesn't say anything to me. Um, like I said, we've gotten some healing since then. But um, I remember feeling so alone and so scared and wanting it all to end. And so I get to the hospital. And um, I think it was Oakland Kaiser. I don't know. Um, and they have to pump my stomach and all that horrible stuff. Um, and I remember one of the nurses was like, "What? see, look what you have to, you know, and I had eaten some things that day. It was bad. And they, they were not very compassionate. They were just kind of telling me, see, like, see what you have to do. That's why you shouldn't do stuff like that. And um, so the, that night I had to stay the night there. And... Um, so uh, a nurse comes to me during on the night shift, and she's caring for me. Beautiful, beautiful woman. And she starts telling me about Jesus. And I had never heard about the love of God before. And she's saying, oh, honey, she was so sweet, and kind of rubbing my hair and saying, "You, there's so much to live for. There is so much hope. Jesus loves you, honey. And super, super loving and compassionate. I remember feeling so loved and cared for, and I so needed that. You know, I was needing that for my mom, but this woman came in and Holy Spirit stepped in. That was my first encounter with Holy Spirit because the, I've shared this before, but the next day 
the next morning I asked for that nurse that was on duty and I had her name and everything. I described what she looked like. And they say, there's no one like that that works here. Yeah. And just saying it again, it makes getting me all emotional how Jesus will do anything. He will move mountains for you. He will, you know, send people in the form of an, you know, he will send angels in the form of humans to get to you. If you have a loved one that needs to know Jesus, let me tell you, God can do anything. And he, he did that for me. Um, at the time, I kind of felt like I was going a little crazy, so I brushed that off. I really didn't recognize that that maybe was an angel, it was Holy Spirit. Um, I just thought something's wrong with you until a few years later when I accepted Jesus and I realized, oh, that was, um, that was God. And so that was probably my first encounter with Holy, I, I say Holy Spirit is an angel, but it was, you know, Holy Spirit is very nurturing and comforting and I so needed that. So then, um, fast forward a little bit and, um, the boyfriend that was really abusive, um, who's in my life still, and uh, emotionally, physically, sexually abusive. It was all of it. It was really bad. Um, that was like four years of my life. I, I talk about it. It was only four years, but you know, a small portion of your life when you experience trauma can feel like a lot when there's big trauma. And it doesn't define me, but now I can use a story and I speak to young people about, uh, hey, you know, their worth and value and all that. So God has completely turned it around. So um, my sister and I got in a fight during that time, and uh, we were fighting over the phone because back in that time, you know, we didn't have cell phones. We were both trying to call our boyfriends. <laughs> Remember back in the day, you had to, the long cord and everything. There's not a lot of, there's no teenagers in here, but anyway. We talk about this with the, the youth, and they're like, what? You know, having to only one phone in the house. So we're fighting over the phone. I run out. I'm like, cuss her out. And I'm like, I'm going up to 7-Eleven. I lived in Richmond. 7-Eleven was up the hill. And um, anyway, she slams the door. Oh, I wish I didn't tell that part, actually, because my sister's great. But anyway, you don't know which sister it was. And you don't even know my sisters. So... Anyway, <laughs> I'm just so big on honor, and, you know, I don't want to out anybody. So, um, but we need to tell our stories, too. That's important. Anyway, uh, my finger gets so gnarly because our front door was really heavy, and my, the whole nail comes off, and I break my finger, and it just looks really, really bad. So um, it stays like that for a while. Um, Fast forward a little bit, and my boyfriend uh, killed himself and blamed me in a letter. And so some of his friends and family were just very mean and blamed me as well. Um, even though he, they knew he was depressed, his, his bedroom walls were painted black. He would listen to lots of icky stuff. Um, and so, yeah, and I blamed myself. I had just... A few days before he killed himself, gone to church, and um, my friend invited me to church in Pinal. I said, okay, I guess so. I don't really know what else. I'm pretty depressed and hopeless. I need something. 
And um, Todd's dad was the pastor there. And he preached message about the love of God. And my heart was moved, so moved. And I said, I want that. I remember feeling hope and love like I did a few years prior when I was in the hospital. And um, so I received Jesus. And so, okay, the boyfriend kills himself. Let's see. I always forget where I'm at. So then, um, hmm? yeah, a few days later. Um, and I'm like, did I make a bad decision? I don't know. All these, I got in a really bad car accident. All these things kept happening. I'm like, I don't know about you, Jesus. All these bad things keep happening now um, since I accepted you. And the enemy just really wanted my life. So... Um, I meet Todd and a while later and I'm like, okay, I'm saying yes to God. I'm still hurting. Um, and he and I go to a house meeting in Napa and it was a wild house. Like they would have these meetings and Holy Spirit would be moving. Like you would just walk in and fall under the power of God. And I was 18 and I was so hungry and so open because I was hurting so much, still wanted, just wanted it all. I'm so glad I, in some ways that I didn't grow up in church and have all the religion and stuff because when I got saved, I, I, want, I want everything. I, I don't know about all the, I didn't know about religion and icky stuff in the church and stuff like that. I mean, maybe you experienced a little bit but later on. But I wanted it all. And um, so we go to this house meeting and they pray for me. And I, I brought up my whole finger because as they were praying for me, um, I, I don't know if Todd said, look at your finger. I looked at it and it was completely, like the skin started growing back and it, it was completely healed. It, I mean, it's still a little, the nail grows a little funny, but it was, God just began to heal my finger. And, um, that, that part is huge because Holy Spirit, um, you know, came as, as a healer, and that was an injury for me because my mom, when I injured my finger, she was, like, just a little upset with me, and I kind of, my boyfriend had to take me to the hospital and deal with it. And so um, God will meet you where you need, where your heart needs healing as well. So Holy Spirit has come in different ways throughout my life as an, a baby Christian and all of that in ways where my heart got healed from wounds and so um they're praying for me and I start speaking in tongues and I feel this warmth cover me from my head to my feet and I just fall out and I remember feeling so loved and wanting that feeling to never end and he just baptized me in the Holy Spirit and I got it all all at once and it was incredible yeah I'm so grateful and it has changed my life and so from the time I said yes to God, I, I believed in, you know, the Holy Spirit and healing and everything and just wanted it all. And it was never, even though it was a little Baptist church, it was like, you know, I just thought, what, what is walls, different denomination? I didn't understand all that. I just thought, what why we should all just love each other and we all love God, right? So um, anyway, it's really, really cool. Yeah. Holy Spirit is good. So I encourage you guys to go back to the, those times when Holy Spirit really moved on your heart and touched you. So I'm going to move on. I'm going to finish in a little bit here. I'm not going to go too in length with this. but this is, So this is verse 39 through 41. 
the last part of Acts that I mentioned. And it says, For God's promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your families, for those yet to be born, and for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Peter preached to them and warned them with these words, Be rescued from the wayward and perverse culture of this world. Those who believed the word that day numbered 3,000. They were all baptized and added to the church. Amen. That's a whole lot of people. Um, They were hungry. They were hungry for the power of the Holy Spirit, and they wanted to know Jesus. So the Holy Spirit drew them in, 3,000 people. So uh, I want to just end with this. That um, Well, actually, we're not going to end. We're going to do something. So you guys got to wake up. We're going we're gonna to do something interactive. <laughs> I know you're awake, but... <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, you know, I'm always about, you know, if I ever have the microphone, I'm always about take it outside the walls of the church. I think because just as someone who was outside of those walls for growing up, I think, gosh, let's always bring it back to what does God want to do where is his kingdom? What's he doing in the, the earth? And so as those, those 3,000 came in, it's important to remember holiness. Um, when we repent and, and God makes us right with him, it's not about segregation. He is all-inclusive. And I remember hearing teaching early on about, you know, you need to be set apart. And we, you know, we say that a lot to, to young people. You need to be set apart for him. And to me, that always looked like, you know, you can't, converse you can't mesh with the world you have to be holy and like that doesn't make you holy to be set apart that way we are set apart for him but it's he's all-inclusive thank you Jesus so let's spend our time trying to convince people instead of trying to convince them that their lifestyle or behavior is wrong let's spend more time convincing them of God's love for them that is such a huge message for me um it is something I strongly, strongly believe in. And, you know, I so love understanding why people are the way they are, why they behave, the way they do. Um, I'm always like, why? Instead of focusing on behaviors. And a lot of times, you know, you're meeting with a young person and they're like, oh, I did this and I did that. And, and, and Todd and I will say, oh, okay, yeah, let's put that on the shelf. Let's talk about what's going on in your heart. And like, you're not mad at me. I'm not in trouble. No, because it's a heart condition. It's all a matter of the heart, right? So um, those 3,000 came in. They were hungry for God. They wanted the real thing. And Peter wasn't there saying, you know, what you're doing is wrong and everything. So it's so important for us to keep getting back to that place of asking God, what is our part and what's your part, God? We're just, our part is pointing to him, pointing people to him and not pointing out what they're doing is wrong. And, and I love that this church lives that out. And I, I love that that is such a big core value for us that, that we get to love. We get to love people where they're at. And it's the kindness of Jesus that leads us to repentance. It was the kindness of God. I remember when I said yes to him, there was things in my life, there's different behaviors. No one actually really had to tell me too much, like, what you're doing is wrong. I remember feeling like, oh, you know, the Holy Spirit convicted my heart. And I invited people in to lead me, but the Holy Spirit can, is, does a really, really, really good job 
of convicting people's hearts, and, and they know. They know when they're not living right. They know they just need someone to love them. And so that is our mandate. That's our goal. And so actually, I talked to you about sharing. I was wanting Todd to share maybe a story or two because he, he comes home from the gym, and he always has so many stories of loving people outside of the church and at the gym. And so I just wanted you to come share that, and then we're going to end with something else. So can you do that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, uh, we've done the prophetic thing out there. We've, we've brought young people out in, in public, you know, <clears throat> going on a hacienda on Friday nights. We used to do this, um, go treasure hunting, you know what I mean? Treasure hunting, most... Okay, um, um, and we haven't done that kind of thing in a while, um, and myself, I haven't been getting, for the past couple of years, I haven't gotten all that much for people, um, but Karina and I both hit kind of a rough season around, you know, Christmas time or so, and, um, and at first I was like, oh gosh, oh woe is me, <laughs> you know? And then I, I don't like that. So I quickly was like, oh, gosh, God, I'm going to throw myself into you. And um, <clears throat> it's interesting. Not much has changed since then except that our, our, my heart condition, our heart conditions. And, um, and one of the things that seems to be reawakening is encounters with people out there, like God just giving something for people out there all the time, all the time. Um, more than ever, actually. And, um, yeah, so <laughs> interesting thing is I joined a gym quite a while back. Um, joining a gym, though, for me was a big deal because I am that guy who the gym really intimidates and scares me, you know? Um, not like so many things. Like, like, I don't know how to use the equipment. What if people, you know, look at me and they're like, gosh, that guy. And then... uh and then, you know, if you've ever been to a gym, there's buff dudes everywhere kind of staring in the mirror, you know. And then they act like they would never hug another guy, and yet they're walking, watching you walk by to see how you look, you know. Because um, you're supposed to, you know, look like them. And, um, uh, and that kind of thing is so intimidating to me. Just the whole scene, you know, it's just like, oh, the gym, yuck. The showers, no. And um, <clears throat> so... <laughs> um, but I joined one reluctantly, and that's where I'm having the most encounters, where God's having me talk to people. It's been bizarre, you know? It's been really interesting um, to me, and I'm like, I see what you're doing there. He's doing it other places, but a lot at the gym. Um, so, yeah, uh, for a couple months, there's been so many encounters there um, at the gym, and I don't go there for, looking for it. I just go to work out, you know, or try to work out. And uh, but, but God just will all of a sudden, somebody will be near me, and I, all of a sudden I start feeling um, a heart for them, you know. I start feeling teary. I start, I, I can't get my attention off of them. I'm trying to get my attention. Like, like, I don't want to think about that person right now. I'm over here doing this. And God won't let it go, and so I'll, I'll approach them. And, um, and almost every time, it's just been something really neat and, and deep, you know. There's really no been, I, I, I still have a face. I haven't been punched, see? Um, so, <laughs> so far. Uh, so, um, 
And even weirder and more gross is actually the hot tub. I've had so many encounters in the hot tub. And the hot tub is a gross thing to go into at the gym because it's like human soup. I mean, there's all these people inside of the same, you know, thing. And it's always grossed me out, a public hot tub. But I discovered that it feels really good, you know, after your (laughs) workout. And so I'm like, whatever, I'm going to go in there anyway. There's so much chlorine, it once turned my short. I had black shorts on once, and I came out, and they were pink. And, um... (laughs) And so, uh, so I, I go in there too, which further embarrasses me. Um, but I, that's where I've had a lot of encounters in there. You know, I've met, um, I've met, I've met some guys in the in the locker room, just getting ready, just talking to them. One young guy, um, I I just started talking to him one day after seeing him for months. You know, and just small talk, and um, he asked what I do, and I told him about working with the kids and stuff. And then, um, and then he comes back uh, two weeks later and says, can I get some advice from you? You know? Yeah. We ended up going uh, out for lunch and, um, and he, he, he went, he grew up in a Catholic church or in a Catholic school where it was like the whole slap your hand kind of thing, all that. And he was like, because of that, I don't want God. And I said, well, let me tell you how God actually is, you know? And um, so God opened that door. It was really neat. And um, we still keep in contact. And um, just just lots of encounters. But more recently, uh, there was, <laughs> in, in, one, in one week, um, there, were, there were three encounters at the gym. Um, but there's two that stick out because I was in that hot tub again. And it was a day that I was like, I just, I just want to be in here alone. I even said, God, let nobody be in here, please. You know, and um, so I get in there and then here comes this lady and she's sitting on the other side. It is a big one. It's a big hot tub, like really like like maybe from the basket there to about here. You know, it's pretty big. And um, but she's over there and I start weeping for her. Right. And I'm like, God, it's a woman in a hot tub. No, I cannot approach a woman in a hot tub. That's so awkward and weird. And what if she thinks, you know. So I actually was, I was like, no. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and um, I cannot get my mind off of her. I'm getting words for her like, God wants to help you, and you're grieving. I'm like, that's really specific, God. I, you know, this went on for a long time until finally she was getting out. And I said, excuse me. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and I, so I start, I said, you know, I believe that God talks to people through other people. He gives impressions through people. Can I, 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 I'm getting something for you right now. Can I, and she goes, okay. And um, so I told her all this stuff and she begins weeping, just crying. You could see Holy Spirit gets all over her. And she said, my uncle Todd just passed away. My uncle Todd, you know, <laughs> just passed away. And um, I am grieving and going through this stuff. And and everything else I mentioned, even something about her husband and something about the longing of his heart. And she said, he was a youth pastor, but he had to quit because of this and this. And that's what he really wants to do. So we prayed for him <laughs> to do that. And um, so <clears throat> so I was like, all right, God, whatever you want. But two days later, I go into the hot tub again. And um, this time I'm sitting there mad, like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking stuff um, I'm going to say there was one little funny 
quirky thing between Crean and me the night before that was that I was like, I don't like that. You know, it's something that she, that I thought she said or what, you know, we just, you know, one of those times we just missed each other. And um, I was sitting there thinking about that and like, ah, you know, in the corner of the hot nobody, yeah. And I'm in the corner of the hot tub and, and I started thinking about life and started getting worried about it. I started thinking about this Uganda trip. This is a few, this is three weeks ago. And I was like, oh, I shouldn't be going. I shouldn't be going to this trip. I, I need to stay here and work. I need to find a job. I need, I shouldn't be going. This, oh my gosh, God, you know. And I was sitting there worrying. So I realized all this worry and anguish and stuff was happening. And so I sat there with my eyes shut and I thought, um, God, just please help me with this right now. And please don't let me have an encounter today with people because I really just need, I need you. I need you, you know. And um, so my eyes are shut. And there was a gentleman on the other end of the hot tub, an older guy, um, older than me. And um, uh, all of a sudden, he says, hello. <laughs> you know? And, and my thir- first thought is, dude, my eyes are shut. Can't you see that? So I, I look up, I'm like, hey. You know? And... Uh, <laughs> um, but instantly, I, I could hear an accent. He was African-American, and um, I thought, he's from Africa. You know, I, I, could, I could hear it just in his hello. And so, but I'm still trying to be offended that he even said hello. And um, so I'm like, how are you doing, man? He said, I'm fine. I'm just, I'm contemplative. I'm sitting here. My wife passed away three weeks ago today. And um. And I'm just sitting here thinking about it. So instantly, here come my tears, right? So I'm thinking, okay, I see what you're doing, God. You're going to have me minister to someone, get my mind off that, all that stuff, right? No. This was one of the biggest surprises. The, du- the dude wouldn't shut up. He talked and talked and talked about the value of a wife <laughs> and how... And, and how one time when she said something that made him upset and how he had to give it to God and um, because the value of he was, he was like, you value your wife, right? I didn't even tell him I was married, you know. I'm like, yes, I do. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that come over me. He starts going on and on about um, how his wife is now with the Lord because she suffered for 10 years on dialysis. And um, now she's in a peaceful place. But then he starts going on to me about worrying. God wants you not to worry. He wants you to stop worrying and have all those fears. I mean, he just called me out, you know. (laughs) And um, this went on for 45 minutes. He never stopped talking. He just went on and on and on and on. And I'm sitting there. (laughs) He He prophesied over me. And then he he. When it was about, to, I've never seen this guy there before, and I've never seen him since. Whatever. Um, and his name was Isaac, and um, and uh, and so he um, he was from Ghana. He was he, he had a. It sounds very much like Uganda accent, and um, and he never mentioned my fear about going to, you know, if I should go to Africa or not. But he mentioned fears. But the fact that he was from Ghana. <laughs> Just the whole thing, it just dissipated, you know. And, um, and he said, I just wanted you to know that I was sitting here and God told me to speak to you, you know. And I said, man, 
you don't know, you know. And he goes, hug me. (laughs) We're in a hot tub. And now another dude has come into the hot tub. (laughs) uh, Listening to part of this whole thing, you know. Uh, But usually, I I mean, I'm, sometimes I'm funny about hugs no matter what, you know. (laughs) But um, yeah, this situation. But I don't know. Everything in me was like, whatever. And I just hugged him. and, um, And he just looked at me and told me how much God loves me and how God wants to take all this stuff. So yeah, it. You, you let yourself be out there, you know, and um, just be an open door for God to move through you, um, even at an awkward place like the gym with tough guys, you know, and all that kind of thing. Um, uh, and it will, um, and, and, and it'll minister to you, but then all of a sudden God's going to flip it around too and say, let's have a day where somebody else, you know, ministers to you. It's going to happen. Um, yeah, I'll just quickly say, there's the uh, right now. There's a young guy that works at the gym, who um, because he has tattoos and so do I. Um, I. It caused me to ask him what what's going on. You know, what what's your tattoos? The tattoos fascinate me. Why people get them? And um, and this young guy, <laughs> um, uh, he had a Romans eight tattoo on him. Um, but long story short. We had a neat talk, and he's he's like, I've been in some counseling. Can we get together? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get together and talk. He's, he's a young guy, and he happens to know um, several of the guys that used to be in our youth group. And um, so just being open, just ask even little clues like a tattoo or just anything, just starting something and letting love be in your heart. You know, he's, he's really wanting to move through us like that. Yeah. <laughs> so. So good. I love that. Yeah. Suzanne, she always says, to what end? You know, when we're talking about things or like in a meeting, because she, she's so big on the why. And that's what it's all about. You know, like Peter preached, repent, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 will be added. And, and that's the end, that, that all his kids would know him. And so I, I wanted to like see, and we're small, I wanted to see if you guys, if any, actually, let's just go ahead and all stand up and we're going to pray to that end, that, that God would really, um, can you just quiet? I know you're going to sell stuff. Can you yeah. pray for just a little bit? Okay. Um, Todd's going to play for a little bit, but he, uh, he still has some stuff for sale, and um, maybe I'll go back there and sell it, or I'll have him leave. And Anyway, yeah, let's, so let's pray, and if anyone wants to come up and pray. We're going to pray that people would really encounter the love of God. If God's been moving on your heart and you want to just declare in this microphone, maybe there's a family member or a people group or someone that you really want them to encounter God, just go ahead and come up and, and just get grab this mic for me and we're going to pray. Jesus, thank you, Father. You so want your kids. You've sent out the invitation. And so we... Uh, agree with you. We partner with you, Jesus, right now. And we say, Jesus, we want you to have your inheritance, your full reward. We pray that thousands would be added in one day to know you in a deeper way, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. 
pray for every family member that we want to know you, Jesus, to encounter you right now, that you would go get them now, Jesus, that your love would penetrate their hearts, that you would soften their hearts and that they would truly know you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Yeah, so go ahead. If you have a prayer in your heart, I I just feel like some of you might want to pray in this mic. Be bold, be courageous, and let us agree with you right now.